He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Building a company, at least I've seen it, where it feels like everything goes slower than you want. Like it just feels like day to day. And then you look back at a, at, a, at a certain little window of time and you're like, wow, we did a lot in that window. We've made a lot of progress, but you, you don't in the moments feel that way. I think David Freeberg from the All In podcast said something about like, basically every day you, it, it's weird. Startups are not linear. So they don't, they're not like linear procession up the ladder. You feel like in many respects, it's like every day it feels like you're going back a half step, back a half step. And then one day you go up forward three steps. And, and then the net sum of that is actually positive, but it is very hard to really maintain mentally that like mm-hmm. mindset because it is just not that way and, and anyone who experiences that like well can attest to it you know what's up slick talkers i want to do dynamic duo sponsorship placements for our partners and the best dynamic duos i could put together for you are our first one of hostfully and minutes Now, you probably heard our Minute with Minute segment with Nathan Smith over at Minute. If I can say Minute a thousand times, then I will. But basically, if you are using Hostfully's property management platform, then you can go to their integration marketplace and turn on your integration with Minute. So that way, everything is operating seamlessly in your hub to run your business without any issues and headaches. It just is so nice to have proper integration partners together. And I couldn't be more thankful for these two partnering with us on the podcast. So make sure you check out the show notes because we have special offers just for you from both companies, Hostfully and Minute, because you're a listener of the podcast and they love taking care of our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes. And of course, like always, thank you for tuning into the podcast. All right, Slick Talkers, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And I am joined by my friend, Jonathan Sakaya who is the CEO and founder of Top Key. If you haven't heard of Top Key, you're about to learn a lot today. And if you have heard of them, then you're about to learn a lot more in the sense of Jonathan's story. And my friend, I'm just so excited to have you. So thank you for joining me on the podcast today. How are we doing? Good, man. Awesome. So glad to be able to do this. It's been a long time coming. So excited to, excited to talk with you today. I was going to say, it's been a long time coming. I think I was like trying to get you on the podcast early 2021 was like, yeah, I love this idea. I was hearing about Top Key and I was just transitioning out of being full time operator basically from my management company into our media company and was like, this is a perfect fit. Like, you guys are going to kill it. Like, this is great. So, without me hyping you guys up too much, if you want to give me one quick intro, let's talk about your background before we get into Top Key and what you guys do, what you're building. Love to know kind of how you got into the industry, what your journey's been like leading up to today. Sure. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. So my my career and my background started from basically started my career in investment banking, and I was an investment banker for a couple of years out of out of grad school. So I went to Duke for business school, and then afterward, basically spent two years at Wells Fargo Securities covering paper packaging and forest products. And so, so I was on a desk basically working on you know M and A models, building out like you know, spreadsheets, doing a lot of PowerPoint presentations and basically working with the team to be a, you know, and I was an analyst for two years and really learned like a, a, a work ethic and, a, and an intensity that I think has served me well over my career. But so I spent two years there and my, uh, a, a friend and a guy that I worked with on the desk at, at Wells uh, had recently left after his analyst program ended and joined Starwood Hotels on their mergers and acquisitions team. And so 
got me an interview. I was kind of thinking that I, I was moving to New York at the time and I was trying to find roles in New York City and, um, you know, it, it ended up being a, a really great fit. So I, I, I moved, moved up there and joined Starwood Hotels. And at Starwood, I was essentially in-house uh, mergers and acquisitions and also did capital markets. So worked on like debt programs. So they rolled out like a bond, a, a commercial paper program. And then at Starwood, spent a lot of time focusing on the sale of our, at the time we were looking at selling our timeshare business, which was called Vistana. And then ultimately we were going to IPO that business and just ended up selling it. And so I spent a bunch of time on that. And then in tandem, Starwood ran a full process to, to sell to another company. We were in the process of evaluating offers and ultimately we were acquired by Marriott, which I think is still one of the largest hotel acquisitions in history in, in our sector. Um, so it's just really fortunate to be on these really interesting projects for the course of like four years or a little, little bit over, I guess, three and a half years at Starwood. So after we were acquired by Marriott, decided to shift gears. I ended up interviewing at a lot of places and decided ultimately to take a little bit of a career path change, moved to San Francisco and joined Hotel Tonight. And uh, Hotel Tonight was at the time, uh, you know, series, post series B or C, I think they'd raised their, a, a big round of funding, but they were still, you know, building out the, the company. So it was much more of a startup. I was doing partnerships there, working with hotel management companies. Ended up leading a team there that managed those relationships. And, you know, I was really fortunate to, again, kind of see another acquisition. We were acquired by Airbnb and uh, then joined Airbnb and, and, and had a similar role in Airbnb managing uh, hotel management companies and vacation rental companies. So, you know, long story long, my background has kind of been in hospitality for the last, call it, you know, eight years or so, really starting at Starwood and then going through the Airbnb. So I was at Airbnb for about a year and a half. And then I, at, at that, at, as part of that process, I really wanted to start something and I thought a lot about what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I spent a bunch of time just heads down, brainstorming ideas. It was, it was not easy to, you know, it was not hard to, 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 to not get it, to, to get inspired. Like you were at a company like Airbnb pre-IPO. It was just such a cool environment to be working in and, you know, just seeing kind of the fruition of, of a similar Hey, a couple guys in a garage, basically, and ultimately, obviously, built something really amazing. So I was really excited to kind of do something on my own. And that led to leaving Airbnb in the, the fall of 2020, I guess it was, to start Topkey. So I can give you a little bit more context on Topkey. We, we started something a little different and pivoted. But yeah, that's, that's the kind of, that's the, the, the journey prior to, 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 to leaving to start the, com the company. Yeah, well, I was going to say, man, to be a part of two major acquisitions has got to be very uh i would imagine probably stressful in some cases right because like it's all coming down to the numbers there's a lot of detail you know speaking of sam shank and hotel tonight you know that we had him on our yeah, morning hospitality podcast and just hearing his story and there's a quote that i'll probably have forever ingrained in my brain from from him is suffering in the details and for an acquisition i'm sure there's a ton of details that go into all of that. So to be part of two of them on that side of the industry, really fascinating to now having your own company. And like you said, to be so inspired, like how could you not create something after working next to genius, basically for two companies from hotel tonight to now Airbnb. I, I'm very curious. So what were some maybe key moments during your time that have led to having an impact as you found your own company and start having a team and going into all this stuff and then we can jump into like the top key story but sure yeah, just kind of curious the the takeaways into you know entrepreneur to entrepreneur yeah you know it's funny i i, I that that quote that sam mentioned on the most recent episode of good morning hospitality i listened to 
uh, it resonated with me because that's very consistent with my experience working with his team and, and that whole team, which was, and even when I remember talking to him briefly uh, before I left to start, or after I left, I guess, and he had mentioned, he just, again, flagged, you know, how, how important it is to be in, in the details, you know, and I think that's something that's hard for founders sometimes as you're building a company, you're, you kind of want to be a visionary, you want to think about all the different things that you could be doing. And it's, it's a fine line, there's a balance, there's certainly not like one specific you know, path and you can, you can supplement for your strength, for your weaknesses and strengths in different ways. But for me, it was just really spending a lot of time recognizing what I was good at and then trying to build on that. And I think like doing a, certainly for myself, trying to get myself out of the weeds and, and trying to be less detail oriented has, has served me well as I've gone from being someone who's, you know, managing very specific types of projects around financial impact which require you to have a really good attention to detail versus doing something different now but in a similar vein you still need a level of of accuracy and a level of attention to detail that really serves you well so yeah i don't know if that that fully answers the question but i spent a lot of time thinking about that before i i left to start top key like what am i good at and what am i gonna be excited to build and do on my own and i think that process although never really like fully solved i think you saw you're, you're learning as you develop a company or whatever i think it really helps you to to start to like do, i i did a couple like really detailed questionnaires at one point when i was thinking about starting a company just like and i talked to a lot of people that i worked with and i was like hey well, what am i good at what am i not good at what do you think this is a good path for me and i had a lot of people tell me that they thought it was and that helped me a lot because i didn't you know it's just trying to get insights from people and and actually several of the people that i worked with my former managers are investors now but you know Having that, like, that dialogue with folks has been really valuable. I find that I tend to learn from kind of cross-referencing different data from different people and trying to, like, do that versus just going, okay, I have something I'm going to go and, like, do it without any, like, input. So, yeah. Yeah, you uh, you and I are opposite. I, I took no input, and I was just like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and my mom, I remember having a call with her quitting my hotel management job to podcast, which I think she's still trying to understand and grasp the concept of podcast, but, like, you know, she, she was like, you're giving up a salary to do this. Like, are, do you need rent money? What, uh, you're, you're not going to even ask for anyone's advice. It's like, no, I'm just doing it. Yeah. And you know, th that's very two different personality types. And as you, I know you've gotten to meet Steve Trover at better talent and, and he's a big fan of EOS and, you know, rocket fuel where you have a visionary and an integrator, you seem just from that, that the the way you approach top key is you know getting feedback and other stuff you seem like a person who is a blend of the two and they they say there's no perfect combination right like you can't you're not 100% visionary you're not a 100% integrator um everyone yeah. has a mix of both what would you say you kind of lean towards from your kind of founder leadership style and of course like the way you approach building the company yeah, I've always like struggled with those things. I did like the Myers-Briggs thing and I was like a very good mix of introvert, extrovert, like all the, I felt like I kind of fall within the twixt in between, if you will, uh, which I guess is good on some level. I definitely have aspects of both. I don't know the, the EOS version. I, I've done like, I think there's another culture index is a similar one as well. I've done a little bit of both of those. I forget what my profile was, but yeah, it was a good balance of both, I think. And I think like, you know, you have to be somewhat keyed in to what's really the, it, well, you have to be really, I, I think of it as like, you have, you have to pay attention to details and be in the weeds for the things that matter. And then you have to be really judicious about what you can, what you can 
kind of extract yourself from. And then constantly refining that is, a, is an important exercise for founders and for CEOs, especially, um, and for anyone in a leadership position, like you're constantly going back over, like what is important and, you know, what is the Eisenhower quadrant, right? Or it's like important, immediate, like attention, you know, unimportant, not immediate. Like yeah. if you find yourself spending too much time in that quadrant, you're probably not like optimizing your time. I definitely don't do a great job uh, of that. I mean, I find myself constantly reverting to like doing things and I'll have to catch myself and try, you know, be like, wait a minute. Okay, let's go back to that, that quadrant. But some combination, I, th- I do feel like I've had a good, I have, I have some sort of like, mix of both maybe yeah well then say so you take you take this time you do your research you get your feedback from from previous managers leadership people that you've had and now you you venture off you you say all right this is it we're gonna start this company called top key walk me through the ideation and kind of the next steps you took to obviously again where you are today but obviously you you said you've pivoted from what you guys first started so i'd love to know the what was the vision at the beginning to where it's actually landed? Yeah, so I actually left Airbnb with a with a guy who was a software engineer at Airbnb and still a, a good friend. He and I uh, spent a bunch of time just head down talking to different people in the industry, trying to understand pain points. And one thing we noticed and saw consistently across a number of folks that we talked to was that, um, you know, finding owners, finding supply was always a challenge. It's always the most important for really any company, right? Like building your business. So. Our initial product that we launched was effectively a marketplace to connect property managers and owners. So a platform to just do discovery. Um, we were working with a handful of property managers and vacation rental operators. We actually, as part of that, and I can get into a little bit more of the, in terms of the details, we actually moved to Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. My wife and I were in uh, San Francisco and during COVID, like decided to sublet our apartment. We, we, rented a car, we bought a car and then we like lived in like Idaho and then Bozeman, Montana and then Austin, Texas. We just went all over the place and we stayed in long-term, you know, Airbnbs for like four, six weeks at a time and ultimately ended up in Santa Rosa Beach. I'm from Tallahassee, Florida originally. My family's close by. Um, We bought a house there and we thought, well, better place to build the first version of the company than being, you know, within a 30 minute drive of like 250 vacation rental companies in, in like one of the biggest concentrated markets in the U.S. So we did that, we moved there, and then we actually got into Y Combinator, which is a startup accelerator that had previously backed Airbnb, Stripe, DoorDash, Instacart, Reddit, a bunch of other big companies. And it's kind of like a, a, a well-established Silicon Valley startup accelerator that you know we were fortunate enough to get into. And so we were, but it was fully remote. And so we were in that winter 21 batch, which started in, this, in January of 2021, but doing it fully remote on Zoom, basically. And so when we were there as part of that exercise, what we did was we were just in the market trying to make connections with property managers and trying to build out reports, analytics. We were trying to basically create a really detailed database that an owner could go and look at and compare prices and quotes and, and all this stuff. Ultimately, and, and kind of the reason we pivoted was we just didn't see it as being a, a true venture-backed business uh, to, to scale. Uh, we had raised a few hundred thousand dollars with nothing that was you know going to prevent us from making a, a shift. We had enough to pay ourselves a salary. So spent like the formative parts of 2021, you know, January through call it like July, testing out different assumptions, doing a lot of work there. I think we matched one owner with the property management company. We had a lot of managers that it's, that were excited that signed up, um, some big companies, some small ones. But we, what we found was 
the only way that business was really going to succeed was if we were going to be world-class marketers. And that was not my core skill set. Like I like the finance background, I have a partnerships background, but I was not a marketer. That's not my, my forte. And we just didn't think it was a business that we wanted to be building for the next 10 years. So um, I spent about, call it four months, just heads down, kind of after we decided in the late spring of 2021 to pivot, just doing, again, going back to, and why, why Combinator talks about this a ton, which is like, talk to your customers. And, you know, just, I had a great network of people to, to, to pull from, to, to then go back and have those conversations and spent a lot of time talking to different managers. I think we talked to over a hundred property managers over the course of those four months or five months, something like that. Separately talked to like 50 Airbnb owners because we were thinking about different business ideas and a couple of them involved more Airbnb specifically, but came to the conclusion like, hey, there's a, there's a pain point that companies are facing around their financial operations and really around getting better handling on their finances, better understanding the ROI of their properties that they're managing, tracking receipts, chasing all, all the different things that you need to collect in order to get reimbursed from your owners for ad hoc purchases you're making on behalf of your properties. And in tandem, we had been working with and seeing there, there was some real like viable products in the market that weren't targeting our sector, but like we definitely thought there was a chance for us to build something that was more verticalized for our industry that would solve those things. So yeah, that, that was really the process. It took, I would say, over six months really just doing the, that research before I felt really comfortable moving forward with the business. Um, but it was really time well spent because I was able to validate and gain enough conviction talking to so many people that I said, okay, there's like a real problem here. And if we build something, there's a customer base on the other end that would, would pay for, it, for this and would actually participate. It's not just an idea in the laboratory that, you know, may or may not have like room to grow. Now, at least as best I could tell was what, what was a way of doing it that I felt comfortable proceeding with. Well, it's a great pivot. And, you know, there's other companies that kind of started the same way. I think that's kind of the initial beginning of Rented, right? Rented was a marketplace for yep. owners and, and managers to then it became this dynamic revenue management platform that's now been acquired and, and successful. And so such a good pivot that you were able to see it. And, you know, I think that's actually when you and I got to connect. I don't think we actually connected in person. We kind of connected through a third party, through Tebow, Rental Scale Up. And that's right. You know, he was he was saying, hey, I'm doing some research with this, you know, startup and try to figure out all these things. Do you have any property managers to introduce me to? And I remember thinking I was like, oh, immediately, you know, moving mountains, Robin Cragen and a couple other companies. And then I think it was a little bit of silence. I was just like, Yeah, happy to do intros, did that for Tebow. And then I don't remember getting introduced to you until later through Michael Golden, where he was like, hey, my buddy John started this company called Top Key. This is what they're doing. And I got to, to hear, hear the pitch and hear the, the model and was really excited because as an operator myself, even though we're small, financials are still a pain. Like you, you have to, like you said, the ad hoc purchases that you are doing on behalf of the owner, if you're a management company or, or a quote unquote co-host, you know, it adds up. It adds up, especially if you have a standard for your homes as a manager, right? Like we don't just take yep. any home, but if you don't meet our standard, but the home has the potential, we might be willing to to buy some of that furniture or do some of that design on behalf of you to pay back uh, throughout time. But that's a lot of capital to put up front on top of already really thin margins. So tell me, I guess from that point on, after we got connected, you start you know um, doing more research, getting connected with property managers. What has now become the product behind Top Key that maybe you feel like most people don't realize 
is so important, but yet you, your customers have told you uh, otherwise. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing to kind of note is what we've saw, what we've seen is when you meet companies in our sector, for the most part, their financial systems are spread across all sorts of different products and tools. So you'll often see a company that has three or four different bank accounts, often across different institutions. You'll see the owner of the business that brings maybe a couple personal cards. Maybe you have some debit cards or credit cards from your bank. Maybe you use a third party bill pay software like, you know, bill.com. And then you're occasionally you'll see folks using like Expensify or something like that. And then you're pairing all that with two different accounting systems because you're typically bringing QuickBooks or, or Zero if you're a little larger, maybe Sage or NetSuite um, for the operating books. And then separately, you have your PMS, which often is where you're creating your um, your owner statement. And that varies wildly by the, the, the system. If you're, you're using uh, you know, Track or Streamline, maybe you're doing your owner statements out of those systems. If you're using another system, maybe you're doing something through, uh, you know, manually. Sometimes people are doing those on spreadsheets. And then that essentially creates a really complex game of phone tag that you're playing across all these different systems to try to match things and try to push things around. And, and really, ultimately, this falls on the bookkeeper or whoever is kind of responsible. Often what, we, what I've seen is there's these, uh, you use the term like these inflection points at various stages of a property management company journey that begets more complexity. So I would, I can think of three, zero to 20 properties is kind of the first one. And that's at, at, from zero to 20, you can kind of manage things. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a husband and wife, or maybe it's like a, a couple business partners. Maybe they hire some sort of third-party person to help on the maintenance side. But generally, you're pretty autonomous at that point. You hit about 20 units, all of a sudden stuff starts breaking. You're starting to get more and more input from your customers. You need more complexity. Maybe you're, a, you're, you're managing properties in different locations. 75 to 100 typically is the next inflection point. You're really at that point moving from a small to medium operation to like really an established entity and you have a lot more complexity and expenses start to kind of fall up by the wayside. Again, you're maybe you brought on a third-party bookkeeper. Almost all the bookkeepers that, that folks are using in-house today, they're not like trained to do short-term rental books. It's like a separate pain point because you lodging, have this double entry. Lodging yeah. booking, like bookkeeping in general is just a pain, right? Like hotels yeah. have the same issue. You can't just take an accountant or a bookkeeper from a construction company and put them into a hotel. It just it's very different and complex, especially around hidden fees and taxes yep. and yeah, you name it. Even so, even taxes absolutely becomes even more complex jurisdiction by jurisdiction. Like everyone knows that the complexities of getting remittances at different platforms and, and certain platforms are doing different remittances and your channel manager is trying to coordinate that, but you need someone to check it. And we all know those things aren't always accurate. And so, and then I would say the third, just to close the loop on the last piece is, you know, at, at about 250 units, you start to really hit another piece of, you know, breakage where you then need more sophisticated tooling. So what I would say is we're in a position to help consolidate that process and really improve the flow of data. Because if you're the platform that issues the cards, helps you track every purchase at the property level, assigns those to specific properties, and then syncs those directly to your accounting software and ultimately to your PMS, we can reduce a lot of the friction. And, and what we, we've found talking to so many people is bookkeepers are kind of spread really thin. They're at their wit's end. You're either spending a ton of money paying someone out of pocket who is then kind of just passing that cost back to you in terms of their, their fees. 
and that's just a consistently increasing cost that scales as you scale, or you're trying to still manually do it all as an owner. And you're often going, okay, I don't know how much money I'm a not reimbursing back from my owners that I should be because I haven't tracked these things efficiently or B how much I'm paying out of pocket. Uh, and then C the third thing is just kind of this nebulous comment, but it's like, Hey, what is the risk that I'm taking? If I'm not really fully buttoned up on this stuff with respect to just getting notices from the state or the jurisdiction that I'm in, it gets quite, I think there's a lot of like cognitive stress that kind of gets laid on folks just to ensure that they're doing things properly. And we don't, the rules aren't always super clearly defined. Um, so what we're building is essentially a platform to help consolidate that. We issue cards to folks. We give them, uh, we have a full bill pay product that we allow you to pay vendors through. We've built direct integrations to, to QuickBooks, to Zero, and we have a, a, a bunch of direct PMS integrations as well. With the idea of really consolidating that, making it easier for you to close your books faster, my goal is for companies not to have to go hire that incremental bookkeeper, that incremental finance person. Uh, if you're a larger company, we're working with several that have 30, 40 employees. I mean, I'm talking to the finance people there and I'm like, hey, I want you to be able to like not have to go hire another three, four people to do this. And those challenges don't go away. They just get more, they just get bigger and they, you just end up with more and more cost incurred trying to kind of chase that stuff as you're, as you're scaling. At the end of the day, you just want to be focusing on your business. Ultimately, you want to grow your, your customer base, ensure your owners are happy, ensure you're maximizing your, your booking volume. And, 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 and that's the challenge that people are kind of having to manage. They're doing that, but also constantly going back to the finance ops and trying to track all those things. Yeah. In my world, there's, there's two people, right? We have our traditional property management companies that build a business intentionally, not on the back of OTAs, but in a local setting, like again, great example, moving mountains from with Robin Craig and, and Heather Craig and over there, like intentionally starting, we're going to build a local business. This is what we're going to do. Da, 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 da. You know, go into these different markets. And then you got the hosts, right? You have the hosts that I just love hosting people. I love meeting new people from all over the world. I love being able to provide a good experience. That's what I'm wanting. I'm wanting to do. Yeah. They get into it without knowing the business side of one being profitable two, not depending on the OTAs three managing owners, especially if you're co-hosting and how to manage not only owners and the expectations of deliverables and the sense of, you know, revenue and, and guest experience, but now making sure that you have a clean track record of books to showcase in case maybe you're called out from an owner that you're not paying them properly or that there's some kind of, you know, non discussed fee or thing like that going on on the back end that they're concerned about and being able to show that, right? Like you get into this for hospitality. Not a lot of people get into this to become a bookkeeper, to become a revenue manager, to become a data yeah. and market analyst and to then be a housekeeping manager. And to, you know, there's all these new things you have to do. And so, you know, to, to, to your point and what you guys are trying to solve, I think, I, I guess the, what I'm trying to line you up for is a question on, is this ever a thing? in our industry or other industries where it becomes fully tech driven and non people driven. I'm kind of curious on that because, you know, very yeah. much a focus on the tech, but again, taking away from the human capital that is already super thin margin for our industry as an operator. Yeah. You know, I'm very curious Do you, where do you see this going? All right. So you're trying to grow your portfolio and your property management business, but sometimes owners don't have the best peace of mind when it comes to giving up the keys to their home to an unknown brand or company. 
And of course, let's be honest, sometimes we hear the horror stories of guests and the bad guests that stay in vacation rentals and throw parties. Well, Safely has you covered because not only do they screen your guests that are staying, but they also ensure that you are covered from all things such as ill intent, stupidity, aka vacation brain, and other things like pet damage and theft. While doing that, you are able to partner with Vintory and grow your portfolio with their marketing platform that helps ensure that you are attracting the right owners to your rental program and growing your business in the destination that you are in. Or if you're in multiple destinations, that works too. So get the links in the show notes because both companies have special offers. And if you don't use a link, but you end up talking to them, guess what? Just tell them that Will Slicker sent you from Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, and they'll get you covered. And you can also let them know that maybe you've heard of them on our platform, hospitality.fm. So of course, like always, make sure you grab the links in the show notes. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like the day-to-day workflow, it, it absolutely will be more and more offloaded to technology. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anyone that would use something like ChatGPT today and go, oh, wow, this thing is not going to save me time in some sense. Like it's saving us time. Like people are using those tools and they're not going out and paying some third party to do it for them. So I see this as no different. I mean, we're, we're, we're not talking about AI here per se, but the, the amount of complexity that can be obfuscated away with, with good technology absolutely should negate the cost of you having to hire an incremental employee. To your question though, I, I don't, and I, I wouldn't say this in a sales conversation in any capacity, ICF is getting you incrementally closer, but not like closing the loop fully. Uh, and any software system that says, yeah, we're gonna save you 100% of the time, it's a click of the button, you never have to do anything again. Like yeah. that's not necessarily how you should think about bookkeeping. Uh, in fact, I would encourage everyone not to like go out and, you know, <laughs> you, you still need to have bodies and seats to be able to help you align and ensure that what you're doing and how you're closing your books is properly and accounted for. But when we talk to folks who said, hey, like how much time do you spend closing your books? And it's like, I'm spending five days a month. Mm-hmm. I'm spending seven days a month. And, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? Seven days? I'm like, I'm literally focusing on this for, and I'm no, I've seen it like in conversations, we'll get like, I'll send an email to someone and it'll be like, oh, I can't talk right now. Um, we're, we're in the midst of closing your books. And I was like, what does that mean? Like how much yeah. time is that taking you? It's a burden that people are, I don't think fully recognizing there are ways to mitigate. And what we're finding with, with working with people is so we've been live with the product for you know, nine months or so now, and we haven't had a single company churn. And the feedback I'm getting from everyone that we're, we're working with is like, this is saving me so much time. Like, this is crazy how awesome this is because we're seeing how much energy and time it was taking us without systems like ours. And it's only getting more and more like all of our product feedback that we're, we're doing is just going back into the product. I mean, that's how we're developing. But I think we talked about this now. Maybe this is the lesson for the day is like all the stuff we're doing is like we are not we did not write a single line of code until we talked to a bunch of people. Why is that? Because I you can go down crazy rabbit holes in startup land where you build software that's cool and interesting. And, you know, engineers can nerd out. But at the end of the day, it's like, what's the product? What's the what, what are you building? What's the feedback? So yeah. a lot of what we've built is taking and working with people, you know, and going, hey, okay, what feedback do you need? Like, do you need another filter? Is there another way for us to move data? Okay, and that's kind of beget a lot more product feedback that we're now putting into the product. So 
we have a bill pay product, we're launching a vendor portal, we can pull in tax information directly for vendors. I mean, this is just one example. At the end of the day, closing your question, you will not ever get to a place where it's 100% automated one click. I, maybe, maybe at some point with certain aspects, but you still want a human inter intervening. But the goal is let's take it from taking five days to taking a couple hours. And I think that's very feasible, but it's a process and it's something people should really explore because so many systems just aren't, uh, people just are not optimized. And, you know, that's a big thing for us that we find helpful to, to push on. Well, we have human error. That's for sure a thing, right? There's human burnout. Yeah. And, and going back into the, the Sam Shank comment, suffering in the details. I think every business owner and entrepreneur needs to suffer in the financial details of their of their company. That's one thing you can't really neglect. Yeah. I, I definitely know there was a period in my my time of, you know, creating Hospitality FM and doing the podcast that I was just like, yeah, there's money in the bank account. Like, what else do I need to do? You know, like, yeah. And then my first tax year came and I was like, holy crap. Okay. I did not know that. That's, that's a lesson learned that I won't make it, you know, a mistake that I won't make again. And so, yeah, those are really important to focus on. And, you know, John, I, there's one question I've been actually really wanting to ask you, not really just related to top key, but from going into your working background, being an, uh, an employee at all these, uh, whether it's startup or an established business, you know, to now founding your own company and and having a team and building a product and i'm glad that you mentioned the startup land rabbit hole thing right like i'm glad you did the research that you guys did rather than just start creating something to to say you did because you had funding right and so you know what's been a big thing that you say you could properly take away and know that at the end of at the end of the journey right when you're the the, the building is done and you're either acquired or ipo whatever the big goal is right What's one thing that you you could say that really impacted your your life from going from employee to entrepreneur beyond what you probably expected? Hmm. Interesting. I think, I mean, so there's a takeaway, which I think is a pretty cliche one, but it's something I think bears repeating, which is just listen to your customers. Like that's how you should build startups is really listen to your customers, talk to customers. And that that becomes like, it's certainly my mantra with the team and with everyone I'm, I'm with is doing that on the personal side. I think I, I think kind of, it, it, it ties nicely to what we were talking about earlier about being really detail oriented. I think there's a level of risk that you take when you start a company. And I think everyone knows that feeling of kind of jumping off the deep end, but you can do it in a, in a more conservative way than I think people might recognize. And there's the ways to do checks and balances in that process. And so I forget it. I think it's Tim Ferriss talks about like, you know, taking calculated risks, knowing your downside, being, being really thoughtful about that. And, and that speaks if you're going out and raising a, a venture capital backed startup, or if you're bootstrapping or you're starting your own company, there's a lot of ways you can mitigate risk. And so for, for, for me, at least it's, it, and it's been, I think, helpful to think about it in terms of just, just getting, being more comfortable uh, now that I've been an entrepreneur for a few years, just with risk and understanding it and being able to like recognize you can roll stuff back if stuff doesn't work. Testing is important. But then at the same time, we're building financial products. We have to work with much more established entities. You know, we have a bank partner. They require a lot. And so doing kind of that detail-oriented work to ensure that, you know, we're in compliance with what we need to be in compliance with is important. But I think for me, 
I've gotten a lot more comfortable as a, as a founder making decisions and just being making more rapid decisions and being comfortable with that as that's kind of what's required. You know, you, you won't be able to build a, a, a successful business and not constantly do that. I and mean, it's a constant journey. I mean, I don't I know, like, I certainly don't think of myself as some, you know, expert at it. I mean, you just, it's a constant pushing yourself to make sure you're doing that. If you're not, you need to get that feedback from the right people, be it investors or your team. Like you need to know where should I be making decisions faster? And that, that's something that I think is really helpful as a manager and, and any manager would, could, could probably see that too, but it's just all the more important, you know, it's your company. hundred percent. And we had a, we had a guest on previously, maybe a couple of weeks ago, uh, Kevin Reardon got a couple of boutique hotels, started with short-term rentals. And one of the things that kind of stuck out with, with him on our conversation was being able to move fast, but be patient. And so like, I've, I, felt like that resonated with me a ton because I move very fast and sometimes yeah. as a blessing and a curse, right? Because my team wants to take time and process and like, let me think about it and be more like methodical. And I'm like, no, we just got to pull the trigger. Let's go. Like today's the day. You know, that's great in some ways, but being able to be patient and finding that balance and fine line of moving fast and executing quickly to then also knowing that the day will come, whether it's today or tomorrow or a week, a month, a year, yeah, et cetera. So yeah, you find, you, I, I don't know. I don't mean yeah. to interrupt you, but like no, you find good. a lot of times with building a company, at least I've seen it, where it feels like everything goes slower than you want. Like it just feels like day to day. And then you look back at a, at a, at a certain little window of time and you're like, wow, we did a lot in that window. We made a lot of progress, but you, you don't in the moments feel that way. I think David Freeberg from the All In podcast said something about like, Basically, every day you, it, it's weird. Startups are not linear, so they don't—they're not like linear procession up the ladder. You feel like, in many respects, it's like every day it feels like you're going back a half step, back a half step, and then one day you go up forward three steps, and and then the net sum of that is actually positive, but it is very hard to really maintain mentally that like mm -hmm. mindset because it is just not that way. And, and anyone who experiences that, like, well, can attest to it, you know? Yeah, I, I always apologize to my friends and my family because when I tell stories right like the last me, like how's work going how's this how's that and i'll be like oh man well we did it and they're like oh wow you got all that done you know it sounds sounds like a lot and that was in the last year I'm like oh no actually that was in the last three months my bad and they're like three months yeah. you did that in three months right and you're like so the startup life and, and having a company everything moves so fast i get thrown off of my timing now i'm always like questioning like shoot, when did I start the company? I have to like get really intentional on remembering certain dates and time periods because like yeah. you said, they just blend so quickly together. And I, I want to kind of ask you, I'm very much the hyper always, like I'm a the obsessive entrepreneur where it's just like I could be in a room full of people having cocktails and I have thoughts of work going through my head while I'm talking to somebody. Do you have a hard time settling down at night, turning off your thoughts? Do you like what's your kind of like behind the when you're you're close your laptop for the day? Are you still at work or do you find that yourself you're able to unplug a little bit more as a as a founder? Yeah, I I, I meditate for two hours every night from seven to nine. Drink your chai tea, you know, do the whole routine. Chai tea, <laughs> yeah, the, the wind down, face mask. No, no, no. I have absolutely no ability to like separate <laughs> so i know i do not have a good work-life balance in that regard and but it, but it's also like i enjoy building the company so yeah. i don't see it as like i think one thing i've found with family and stuff be like oh you gotta work and it's like i'm 
I don't look at it that way. I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I got to work. Like there was a world where I was doing work and I was like, man, I got to work. Like I'm being called into the office. I need to do something for someone else. And this is a privilege, right? Like to be able to 100%. do this. So to me, I see it as like, hey, wow, like I have the opportunity to do it. I, so I'm, I'm, I'm not like unplugged very often. I find that very hard to do. I was in, my wife's from Sweden. And so every summer we go back and we did a couple of days and I, I, there were, I did three, I had three nights where I did not sleep at all during that trip. Uh, and I mean that not because I was like, I just couldn't, unpl- I was like working late. The hours were weird. I couldn't yeah. really fall asleep. It was, a, it was, it was, this is the first time going back over there that I was like, man, this is like not, this is not optimal. I need to figure, <laughs> I need to make this a little bit more. So I, we, we talked about some ways to, to, to mitigate that next time, but it was, it's also just a hard chapter, right? Like, and again, a good way we're growing. Yeah. We closed our, our seed round not long ago. We were, I was in the midst of hiring. We were onboarding a bunch of new companies. So in, in a sense for me, like, um, I found that you need to just kind of recognize and be okay with, Hey, this is a really busy chapter and that's fine. Like, yeah. but having a little bit of context on like where you are in the process is really helpful. You don't have to see it like from 10,000 feet, but just recognizing like, Hey, this period we're busy. And you know, you being clear with your family or mm. your significant other, there's, there's a give and take there you need to have, and you also need to find time to unplug, but I don't, I don't have like a great, you know? Yeah. No, I was gonna routine say, uh... per, per se that, that I, I go to the gym every day. I do that. <laughs> I do an hour at the gym, five 30 to six 30. I try to four, four to five days a week. And that's a pretty consistent thing for me. Uh, and that's about the one time I can, I kind of go out and then I come back, I make dinner. I like to cook. So I do that. And then I often jump back on while I'm watching football or whatever and just have the, have my laptop and I can crank through stuff. But yeah. No, I love that. And you know, a lot of people listening may agree with the approach and may not agree. This is not yeah. a podcast on telling people how to be a founder, right? It's very much on your story and your preference. And I, I always struggle and I had a great chat and we did a webinar around this with uh, Dave Krause from Rent Responsibly when they were doing their People, Place and Planet a webinar series. And the the biggest thing for me was I, I don't call it work life balance. I don't think there is, in my opinion, a, a such thing as work life balance. I, I'm obsessed. I'm an all in oh, type of person. So whether it's with a significant other, with a friendship, with business, you know, I'm an all in or all out. And that, that's, again, blessing curse at the same time. But being able to have work life alignment, right? Like my aligned goals for my my personal self and my business are aligned just like how we develop like our core values and our and our ethos as a company we don't have to like whip them up and put them on a wall and you know say this is what we live by as a company because we grab the same ones that we live by as humans whether yeah. we're in a company or not so being able to align those values and those missions and goals uh, is really important i think and so to to kind of wrap up today's episode because i i I gave you a little bit of a warning that every guest before the next guest gets to leave a question and then you'll get to do the same for, for the next person. So I think it kind of segues perfectly into the conversation we're having now, but the founder Nico of Bob W, uh, a European operator out in uh, multiple countries in Europe, wanted to know from you personally, he says, if you could take a year off, what would you do and what do you think you would learn? Good question. If I could take a year off and probably like go, I mean, I'd probably go to Sweden because that's where my family's, my wife's family is. And I would 
work on building. We bought a little plot there and we have like a little summer house. That's just like Swedes have this like summer home structure that yeah. a lot of them have. And uh, I'd probably go there and like spend the year like it's right off of the vault. It's a couple hours north of a city called Malma. Um, anyway, I would go there. I would spend like a year. I would bring a lot of books. I would read. I would focus on, I'd do like work on the house. Like I'd like oversee some projects there. I'd do a lot of hiking. I'd cook a lot. Like, and I'd probably do like, you know, weekend trips to different places in Europe. I, I, I love travel as, as a lot of people do who come from our industry. So yeah, if I had like a full year off, I would do something like that. And then I would probably go use that as like our, our base. But yeah, I don't know. That that would be my like, you know, if, if if I wasn't building a company, I would do something along those lines. I thought you were going to answer that with, I would go build another startup. And I was like, oh, John, what are we doing? I'd build another startup. <laughs> I'd log in under a pseudonym <laughs> and, and uh. keep going and keep building top keys. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. I was gonna say, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, that, it was a perfect question. I was just like, man. I'll, I, I again for all the listeners. I don't tell my guests well, who they're who I'm recording with next. So I don't. I didn't yeah, tell yeah, them yeah. like, oh, Jonathan from Top Key. You know? Sure. And so it's just funny how these questions get really. Naturally. What's your answer to that? My answer. Oh, man. Well, to be listeners honest, don't get to get get to hear this. The the, <laughs> the question. The shoe yeah. has been been flipped. That's it. That's it. Actually. Damn, you got me. I would say something similar. I don't know if I would go. I would. I I just moved out to the suburbs out here in in Denver, so I'm no longer downtown. I'm out of the hustle and bustle of downtown, and I'm really enjoying doing yard work and you know working on like house projects that I'm not a handy guy. Like, and I've always told my girlfriends in the past, or even my friends and family, like my dad, yeah. twenty twenty plus years, he he works at Boeing. He works on the wings of the planes. Like, he's been in concrete and contract work and drywall like a carpenter he's done all this manual labor stuff i'm not that guy i just i know yeah, that yeah. I, i'm not like that but i'm actually enjoying you know assembling furniture and work like it just since not installed but laid a bunch of sod yesterday and the, this over the weekend and just i don't know fun stuff like that so i probably do something similar go off and and try to be a little bit more active i'm trying to read more so i think it's a very similar answer to you where it's more of a slower pace of life and i think there's a lot of relationships and people that I would love to go visit and just like touch base with again that I haven't talked to or, or seen in years and have coffee and slow down and really just like try to be present in more moments. Now that I'm not now, but I think, you know, like you said, building a company is it takes a lot of time and, and attention. And, and sometimes there's a give and take with that. And you have to be aware when you're in those moments. And so, yeah, I think I would just slow down a little bit, you know, be more intentional with the, with the people around me and what I'm learning outside of building a company especially in media. Sure. <laughs> I wouldn't podcast for a whole year. There would be you no wouldn't episodes. podcast for a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no episodes. But yeah. So not knowing, again, the rule is not knowing who's next. What would okay. you want to know from the next person? You mentioned this just before we started. I think my question would be self-serving. I would, I'm curious how people vet for talent. And this is something I'm very fascinated at having hired people and continuing to hire people. So I would ask, are there any questions or are there any tells that whoever you're talking to next week has discovered that have kind of unlocked or kind of help ascertain whether a candidate is 
you know, a good fit for the role? And, and have they been able to kind of, are, are there specific questions perhaps that they've asked that seem to consistently reveal people that, that end up doing well in, in the roles that they're hiring for? However, that, <laughs> however, that's, that's created, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that question. And, you know, I, I, forgive me, John, I, I know we didn't get to touch on one year as funding to the growth that you guys have gone into. So there's a lot of stuff with top key and what you guys are building. That's really exciting. I think the listeners, if you haven't followed along, you know, in, not Instagram, sorry, I'm not a big Instagram guy, but LinkedIn, <laughs> a great platform to keep in touch with you and to follow the journey. But you know, you guys recently raised some capital. So maybe let's spend a couple extra minutes on the pod and yep. discuss, you know, what's what's the roadmap? What are you guys looking at? What where are your customers seeing right now that you guys are excited to build? Yeah. So we yeah, we closed the seed round about four months ago. We're just heads down building and onboarding companies. We've signed up a number of great companies, including one this morning actually. Typically we're targeting larger vacation rental operators. So, you know, I'd say the median company in our uh on our platform today has between 80 and 100 properties. Really seeing a ton of excitement about our, A, the combination of the credit cards and the expense management tools that we have, direct integrations with phones to be able to text transactions and, or you know, text reminders to submit receipts and submit information. Um, and then we have a full bank partnership with a, with a FDIC insured bank that we work with. And we just released high yield trust accounts as well. And so for the ability for managers to use and work with a top key affiliated bank and actually earn interest in, in, on those deposit accounts up to 4.1%. And we have a lot of development improvements on bill pay, uh, owner payouts, being able to streamline the flow of data from payments that are being made to vendors and then pushing those back to, back to your owners. And in the future, I think we're going to be doing a lot more on the you know, reconciliation piece, building out more tools to, to kind of double check differences in terms of balances at the beginning of the month and the end of the month, really just building out more, more substance there. We're also building a, an inventory management module to track purchases that people are making, you know, more and more property management software integrations as well. So just building out in tandem, a lot of different things, but those, you know, if anyone wants to go to our website, sign up, happy to walk someone through. We, what we typically do is a, a call to better understand people's tech stack see if they're a good fit to work with us. And then we would you know, set up a demo and then our onboarding is super simple. It takes literally two 30 minute phone calls. We are not complex, like trying to go work with a new PMS or something like that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, you can literally be live in, uh, you know, less than, less than two hours, basically from start to finish. And so, you know, my first hire was a head of customer success. So it was not a salesperson. Uh, and I like to kind of mention that because I think it speaks to the, the interest we've been able to get. He and I have been working hand in hand. Whenever we do onboardings, we're super, super involved to make sure like, if you have questions, like there's a chat bot on our app, you can send yeah. me, my CTO, our co-founder, our head of engineer. You know, we have a very, very tight loop for feedback. So now we're looking, we, we want good people like that to be able to work with. So that's, that's who we're, that's who we're, uh, we're partnering with today. Yeah. I love it. And. You know, as a disclaimer to all the, the listeners, if you do see on LinkedIn, I am an investor in TopKey. I'm not a big one. I'm a small, small investor compared to the others on the on the cap table. And, you know, I, I will say this platform, the product that you guys are building is super intentionally built for property managers. And so I know when you submitted your guest information form, 
you want to make sure that we were able to offer Slick Talk listeners, you know, 50% off, right? And so if there's any direction, we'll send anyone your guys' way. I'm happy to promote and obviously get as many people to you because, again, I'm a believer in what you guys are building, not just as a user, but as a, a friend and investor and all the above. So, you know, just putting it out there, so Slick Talkers, don't think this is a this is a sales pitch or anything. This is more very much a, a believe in the product and believe in the team. And I, I just I'm super excited for how you guys have found your product market fit, how you are intentionally building the company without a salesperson and going customer success. So, yeah, there's a lot of excitement in what you guys are doing and super excited that we were able to actually have you on the podcast finally two years later after getting to meet. And yeah, John, sure. I'm just super pumped on everything you guys are doing today. Yeah, for sure. 50% off discount for the first three months for folks that come through from Will. And uh, yeah, we're just grateful to have folks like yourself involved and like obviously really appreciate you wanting to come, wanting the chat. So I'm excited, yeah. to, excited to see where we go from here. But thanks so much for, for letting me come on. Of course. And I'll, of course, be seeing you at one of the industry conferences. I'm sure there, there's, yes. a, there's a multitude of them to come, but uh, I'm excited to hang out and any Slick Talk listeners out there, if you want to have a beer with us or anything like that, we are all in. Let's do it. Uh, let's, let's go we'll go have a good time. And yeah, John, thank you so much. All of our Slick Talkers, make sure you like and subscribe to all things Top Key. And of course, like always, we'll be seeing you again next week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.